All right, will you please open with your Bible with me? We're going to open to 2 Thessalonians chapter 4. 2 Thessalonians chapter 4. When I was in college, uh, I had a, uh, my parents moved into a new house while I was in college. So I had grown up in a house and then they uh, moved into a new house and it was a little different when I came home to visit and things because all of a sudden everything was different. And uh, not only did they move into a new house, but they also got a new dog. And he was a rescue dog, and his name was Lou, Lou the dog. He was half lab and half Siberian husky, which meant he made extra dogs worth of hair he shed everywhere he went. He just shed so much. <laughs> and Lou was a great dog. Lou was uh, super faithful, and he was a, a neat dog, but he was older because he was a rescue, and so they had got him later in life, and I didn't know Lou at all. And so by the time I let, met Lou, uh, he looked like a wolf because he was giant and big, which actually the word Lou in French means wolf. So that's why that was his name. And so uh, I met Lou, the dog, and um, Lou and I had a disagreement the very first night that I met him because I went to sleep and I was in my room that, that I had set up. And so I, uh, I shared a, like a Jack and Jill kind of bathroom with my brother. And so, you know, we would talk and, and everything. We're like, all right, we're going to bed. So I went to bed and I left the door open to crack. And at some point in the middle of the night, Lou came in and I did not realize that I had taken his room now because I was away at college. So that was his bed and that was his room. And I did not know that. And so I was sleeping and sleeping and all of a sudden I became aware of this breath and this presence. And I'm sleeping on my bed and he was big enough that I opened my eyes and his face is just here. And he didn't look, he wasn't growling or anything, he was just looking at me, just breathing on me. Was, huh! Lou! And I just met Lou, so I was like, what do, you, what do you need, bud? And he, if he were human, he would literally have pushed me aside. But he didn't have, you know, hands or arms, so he just got on the bed. So I'm laying there, and he's there. This was a little bit terrifying, I'm not going to lie. And he just climbed and sort of pushed me and laid down. And, and he looked at me as if to say, why are you in my bed? <laughs> and so this was my introduction to Lou. So I, I, lights are on at this point. I'm just sitting in the bed looking at him. And he was like, turn off the lights. What, let's go to sleep. What are you doing? <laughs> and so I, I, I tried to move him. He was, he was very much in the bed. And so Lou and I began a great friendship of he just slept on my stuff, basically. Uh, but, but Lou the dog. But it was funny because I woke up in the middle of the night in that first experience. And my first emotion was fear. Because there's a dog staring me in the face, first of all, and it was out of place. And uh, my first prayer was, you know, Lord, what's happening? What do I do? And then thankfully the dog was okay. And I didn't know this dog at the point, really. So I, I didn't know if he was going to bite me or if he was going to be funny or I, I don't know, because I didn't know the dog. And we began a good little friendship, he and I, but um, it was a scary situation. When we have children who wake up in the middle of the, of the night and are scared, what do they do? They cry out, right? And if they were to cry out and something happened, maybe they had a dream about a wolf and it scared them. And they wake up and they're afraid and that's the emotion that they're feeling. And in that feeling of that emotion, they cry out. And if you just yell from your room and say, go to sleep, is it enough? No, why not? They want salvation from that thing. They want to know that everything's okay. And so if you come in and check everything and look at all of it and turn on the lights and you look under the bed, no wolf. You look in the closet, no wolf. 
You look around the little light in the, in the fire detector thing. There's no wolf in there. You look out the window. There's no wolf. There's no wolf in the drawers. There's no wolf. It's 3.30 in the morning. Please go to bed. Is that enough? Sometimes, not usually. Because what the child is really looking for is the, the security of you. It's you. They need the person. They need the parent. They need you there with them to help them. And so inevitably, what do we do? You climb in bed with them, or you go next to them, or you sit next to the crib, or they climb in with you, and then whatever it is, until they're asleep, and then you can go out, and now they're okay. And, and so that's how we deal with those things. But isn't it funny that when we become adults, we cry out to the Lord, and we say, Lord, just give me the tools to get over to the fear myself. The Lord said that we should have faith like children, and children cry for the parent. Sometimes we cry for the parent, but we just want the resources from him. We don't want his presence. Now, of course, we want God's presence, don't we? Of course we do. But sometimes we think, if you just strengthen me, I'll be fine and I can do it. And we betray that thought with our prayers. Because we pray and say, Lord, instead of saying, Lord, you be here. You take care of this. I'll follow your lead. Lord, will you just sleep next to me in the bed? Will you just come and know? Can you pat me so that I know you're here? You know, have you ever done that with a kid? Good luck getting away from that. Start patting them. As soon as you slow down and stop, you try to, you know, you try to make the rhythm real slow. And then they... That's how every time, every time, you're going to be there until 5 a.m. It will, there is no stopping that. And because that's what children yearn for, they know, I know you're here, and that makes me safe. But what do we say? Lord, you just give me the tools and I'll do it. Lord, strengthen me. Give me the wisdom. Tell me what to say, and then I'll be fine. Lord, get that dream out of my head and help me not to think about that, and then I'll be fine. And there's a, there's a difference between actually clinging to God's presence and coming to him and coming to the Lord just to ask him for something that he gives us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4. Here's what it says. Verse 2, sorry. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion and lust of the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things. As we told you beforehand and warned you, for God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Now, I've read this passage for us for this reason. What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? His will for our life is sanctification, is holiness, is walking with God, is knowing him. And a lot of times in our culture, what I found is we have a lot of fear and anxiety that aren't bad dreams, and it's not a wolf in the night, and it's not a dog that you've just rescued. But the fear and anxieties are tied up in this question of who am I supposed to be and who am I and what's God's will for me and what am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to do it? When am I going to do it? And how's that going to look? And what will happen? And is he going to provide? And what will that be? And all of a sudden, this anxiety is just created in us of all these fears and thoughts. And they're not just bad dreams at night. They're real questions that people ask us all the time. And suddenly, it's not just a bad dream that we're experiencing, but it's a fear in life. Am I even walking this out right? Am I even where God wants me to be? Did I do the right thing? Am I in the right job? Am I living in the right place? What is happening? 
And we need to come back to not just hearing from God and being strengthened by him and having the benefits of what he gives us, but he himself. And the very first building block of that is to know with certainty what is his will for my life. And his will for my life is sanctification to look like God, to honor him, to walk with him, to know him and to serve him. And if I'm doing that and I'm in the center of what he wants me to be in him, then he'll add all these other things. Jesus said it this way, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. Don't be anxious about all this stuff, but we are, aren't we? We're anxious about the British pound because what does that mean for the dollar? We're anxious about the elections coming up. We're anxious about who's gonna win the Super Bowl. We're anxious about the blues and are they gonna do better than the Cardinals? We're wondering about all those things. And yet God is calling us to something different. And so today we're gonna to talk about fear and anxiety and the things that are happening to us and what that means in our life. And we're gonna look at what does the Bible tell us about how to trust God and walk with him. Will you think with me for a moment and just imagine a society. Imagine a society where you have a 15-year-old girl. And in this society of this 15-year-old girl, she is expected to know with some certainty what she wants to do with her life. She's expected to know with some certainty where she should go to college or if she should go to college or what she should do. She should know what she wants to do in terms of work. She should be able to talk about that well. Also, if she doesn't want to work, that may be viable for her. If she wants to travel and have experiences, those are actually more important than work. And so doing those things probably are better. But also she should know fully her identity and who she is, but she needs to throw off all the traditions of the past and question everything her parents taught her. She needs to know that she has all the information for the world at her fingertips on her smartphone and that the likes that she gets on her posts are actually the collateral that will show her whether or not she's accepted in society. But also she should for, forsake all that and unplug from society and find out who, th who she is authentically. And that means that she needs to determine what is her gender, what is her orientation, what does she think about sexuality, where should she live, what is she politically. Those things really matter because it's very divisive nowadays. Also, she should be able to do that totally forgetting anything that she's been taught in school because that's biased. And she should definitely embrace the news unless it's a news from a source that she can't trust. But the social media will probably give her the best news. So if she listens to that news, now she can make a determination about what she believes and who she is. And also 18 year olds, because she's 15. So 18 year olds on TikTok, they've got it figured out because they have a million views and a million likes. And that means that they are actually accepted by society. So if I listen to them and they tell me what my gender is and they say something to me in their not sureness, but they say it with a lot of surety and a lot of people like it and it resonates with me because nobody said that to me before, then I should hide that from my parents and everybody I love, but I should make determinations about who I am or what I believe and what I should do in life. But I shouldn't tell anybody, but I should post about it and I can find support from any group anywhere in the world that I want for anything that I find in the internet because there's something for everyone. But I shouldn't share that with anybody because if I do and I show them who I really am, maybe they won't like me. Th that's our world. That's where we're living right now. That's a 15-year-old today. No wonder there's anxiety. Seriously, no wonder there's anxiety. And if you believe the Bible and you let the Bible define who you are, you're a dinosaur. What are you talking about? And the pressures of how do you even know? And then you turn on the news, you're sitting there watching the news with grandpa or grandma or mom and dad, and they tell you on the news, kids in 10 years 
won't be able to buy houses anymore because inflation is so bad and the economy is so crazy. And the problem is that they won't go to work. So really, you're the problem at 15. You're the problem with our country. And if you fix yourselves, it'll fix everything. But also, if you fix yourselves, you're never going to be able to afford anything because inflation is so bad, it's out of control. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? And the anxiety of living in that world to try to do the right thing is a mess. It's a mess. And it's leading us to places where people only find happiness in medication now. People can only find joy and contentment in hiding. People live through their phones. Is that what God's called us to do? What's the will of God in our life? Sanctification. That we would be like Jesus, that we would know him. Because here's the truth. God loved us so much that he sent his own son that he would come to the earth and take all the punishment for our sin upon Jesus Christ himself, who is God, that he would die for us, which is our punishment. And he would not stay dead, but he would raise to life. He would defeat sin. He would defeat death. And he would make for himself a bride. And he would give an identity to his people where they are his people. And he loves them. And he would indwell them with his Holy Spirit because you were created in the image of God to be a worshiper to know him and to work well and to do good things and to serve and to be in community and to be known and to know other people and to do that in the context of the gospel of God that washes away our impurity and makes us new creations in Christ. So now we come together not as Republican or Democrat or as, as Chinese or American or as whatever, male, female, fat, big, whatever, it doesn't matter. We come in the identity of Christ and have fellowship to say we love Jesus and we know him and we know his salvation and that changes who we are at the core. And so now we can know him who is our salvation. And then we're duped by the world. We're even duped sometimes, I say this, hear me right, by very well-meaning people who want to give us just the right song at just the right time because the song is the answer, because the strength is the answer. Because the benefits of what God gives us are the answer. But that's not the answer. The answer is Jesus himself. It's coming straight to the source. It's coming straight to him and saying, Lord, I need you. You stay with me. You pat my chest. You sleep right here because the dreams are too much or the reality is too much. And there's anxiety everywhere. How do I just stand in you? I don't know what to do. And suddenly we find that he says, I'm a good shepherd. Follow me. And he leads us into what God calls us to do. Because he's the Lord. This is the Christian hope today. And we haven't even talked about resurrection life, which is our ultimate hope with him. But our hope today is we have a Savior who's not left us in the anxiety of the moment, but he's brought us into the peace of knowing he himself. And he's our king. He is our king. Will you turn with me, please, in your Bible to Philippians? We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Just a little bit back in your Bible from 1 Thessalonians. Now, if you have a cell phone, who has a cell phone Bible they're using? I have a buddy, you know, the, the word is the sword of the spirit, right? So I have a buddy, I know I've said this before, but I love this joke so much. He goes, it's my switchblade. <laughs> you know, because he, he can find it really fast. All right, so we're going to read this scripture together, and then I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Philippians 4. We're going to read first, starting at verse 4. 
Here's what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Philippi. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Not a great command. Then he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He's not far away. He's at hand. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes the Lord answers us with his presence and with peace, but he doesn't give us the answers we want. His peace surpasses our understanding. Sometimes we say, Lord, let me understand. Why is this happening? Or Lord, what am I supposed to do? Or Lord, show me that you have good plans for me. I want to know that I'm going to be fill in the blank someday. I want to know. And he says, I'm with you. And the peace of him being with us, of the pat on our chest, of him with us, taking our hand, leading us. He's a good shepherd. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. But he doesn't always say, don't worry, you'll be CEO. Don't worry, your house will be blue. Don't worry, your Ferrari will be red. And usually he doesn't care about those things as much as he cares about what is his will. And his will is that you will look like Jesus. That's the will of God. Save from your sin. How are we saved? The Bible tells us if we believe, if we put our trust in him. My favorite illustration of trust is uh, a chair. When you sit in a chair, you sit in a chair, but you don't sit in a chair like half off of it, you know, with your legs, so you're not actually sitting. Have you ever seen somebody do that? It's weird. You sit on the thing, you just sit on the thing. This table better not break. <laughs> so I, I can sit on the table. We're okay. Amish made it. Amish made it. It's good. You sit on, look, my feet are up, because my whole trust is on this table that is holding me up. My whole trust. If the table falls, I will fall because I'm not doing anything. But a lot of Christians live like this. Yeah, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. See, I'm leaning on you. I am leaning on the word. And then what do you need? You need just the right song at just the right time. You need, you need other support, other things, because the cry of our heart is, Lord, give me enough that I can do it. Instead of, Lord, I know you're doing it. I know I can rest and trust totally in you. And there's a difference there. And what I'm calling you to do today is let's give him all of our anxiety. Let's give him all of our fears. Let's give him all of our trust that he is our salvation and his presence with us is the answer instead of he'll give me the right tools and I will do it. Now he'll use you and you will do things, but ultimately he's going to do it. It's his power. He's our champion. He's our Lord. And Paul has commanded us now that we should not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, present our requests to God. And then basically he says, trust him, that his presence is with you and what he says is true. It's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Here's the bold thing that I'm going to ask you to do today. Will you please take your phone and don't put it on airplane mode. Don't silence it. Turn it completely off. Totally off. Totally off. <laughs> Siri is asking, don't, don't turn me off. You need me. <laughs> if you have a watch, turn off your watch. I know I'm being semi-hypocritical because I'm using notes on a tablet just 
forgive me for that. Have you ever forgotten your phone at home and driven to work or school or wherever you go grocery store and you have a mild panic attack two miles on the road? Why do we feel that way? I remember in college, I remember other times going on 17-hour road trips with nothing. I mean, I, I remember one time going and I had a few gift dollars, they weren't even gift cards yet, gift dollars to McDonald's, that was my lunch. Gift dollars, oh Lord. McDonald's bucks, I can get some hamburgers or whatever. That was, that was, that was it. And 20 bucks for gas. And you go, and my mom's saying, in 20 hours I expect you're gonna let me know that you're, they're safe, because I will still be awake. And that's how we did it. But now you get two miles on the road and you're like, ooh, what if I'm in an accident? Oh, what if I need, oh, I got to, oh, what if I, oh, I need to do, whoa, nobody knows where I am. And we have this anxiety that hits us now because we've been conditioned by a device that that device will save you. That device will protect you. That device will get you access to all the resources you need that will guarantee your survival. That device will protect you from anything you need. And even if a bad thing happens, at least you can switch your phone on and you have a record of it for the insurance company or for the police or for whatever. Even if it's the worst situation, God forbid, at least that's there. And we've been conditioned now that our safety net is the internet. Instead of trusting God, picking our feet up with everything we have and resting on him completely. No wonder we're anxious. Because your battery says low power, and you're like, I'm not going to make it. What do I do? <laughs> and, and then you're searching for something, right? I got to find a, I got to, anybody, lightning cable. Who's got a lightning cable? Because you, you need that. And this is, this is how we live, though, isn't it? Have you ever been to a place with a device that can't connect to something? It's like, I might as well, I'm, I might as well be dead. No one knows where I am. I can't get the stupid hotel Wi-Fi to connect to anything. Ah, my service doesn't work here. I'm, I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my, my life. What do I do? And that, but we react that way, don't we? Why do we do that? Because we're anxious about everything. Because our prayer and our supplication is not to God to present our requests and then rest in his presence. Our prayer and our supplication is to present our requests and say, Lord, you didn't give me enough tools. Lord, you need to give me more bars. When you need to make this battery last longer, then I can do it. And I'm telling us, well, let's, we've betrayed ourselves because we were not designed to work that way. You're a worshiper. You're made in his image. You're supposed to walk with him. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and mind in Jesus Christ. And it's so much better. Because let's be honest, how do we answer those really big questions? The really big ones. We just need him, don't we? We just need him. God is so good to us. He's good to us because he leads us. You know, he doesn't always answer our prayers for the things we want, especially when it's a red Ferrari. You can pray for a red Ferrari. If the Lord gives it to you, I would really like to ride in it. <laughs> but hey, the red Ferrari is just a red Ferrari. It's just a car. But isn't it funny? God, he doesn't, he doesn't work that way. Our world works that way. You know, there is a uh, commercial out right now. It's by Dove. Do you know Dove products? They make healthcare stuff. And um, they have really gentle products. So our Lisa's grandfather 
uh, Gary, he's wonderful, and he had some head things going on. Dermatologist said, use Dove, it's good. It's gentle, a lot of stuff is good. Well, their newest product that's out right now is uh, called Go Sleeveless Deodorant. And Go Sleeveless Deodorant is a special Dove product that not only will help you not smell stinky, because everybody knows that we don't want that, but also the Go Sleeveless Dove product conditions and moisturizes and helps your armpits so you don't have fugly armpits. This is the word that's used. Did you know, ladies, that you're being judged by fashion standards today on how beautiful your armpits are? And the advertising for this gives a clinical trial to five ladies of various sizes and colors and stuff, places in life, and lets them try the Dove Go Sleeveless Arm Care products for two weeks, at the end of which they come back to give their reports. But what they don't know is there's a special challenge that we're gonna challenge them with a pair of scissors to cut their sleeves off because they're so confident in this product that they can go sleeveless now because the Go Sleeveless Dove product. And they do, and there's a fashion designer on hand to help them make their outfits look amazing with no sleeves. How incredible for the commercial. And you can YouTube this commercial and watch it today. What is the commercial trying to do? It's trying to create anxiety in you. Can you measure up to this challenge? Because maybe, like all humans, like all humans, you will say, my armpits don't smell great sometimes. That's a common human problem that everyone, male, female, everyone has after the age of, in my house, four for some reason, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's okay. Feet, why the feet? Okay, anyway. Ah, praise the Lord. But every human has that problem. So you can have a product and say, this product is the most gentle on the market. We're the number one because dermatologists recommend us. If you have skin problems, they say use our product. So we made this deodorant because we want to help people who have sensitive skin because we care for people and want them to smell nice. That sounds like the kingdom, doesn't it? Instead, here's the challenge. Would you cut your sleeves off? Because ladies, you might have fugly armpits. Ugh, don't want to be seen that way. Can you survive in summer? How do you even live? Your pictures, oop, don't do that for the selfie. Did you even know this was a problem? No, and there are millions of Americans that Dove Care Products is creating anxiety for a reason by working with psychologists to make you buy their product. This is not, I'm not joking. This is the advertising model of the 21st century, is to create anxiety. The iPhone changes every 20 days. <laughs> you, if you get an iPhone 27, what are we on now, 14? You could have an iPhone 10. You are, how do you live? You should, man, what, that's almost as bad as getting an Android. God help you. How do you, what, what are you, a Cubs fan? Gosh, you do not belong. But what? What is that? And then the new one comes out, and what do you see? Oh, my. If I had that phone. Here's the lie. Ready? If I had that phone, I'd be more productive. If I had that phone, and it can remind me all the time of the things I haven't done, because my reminders just keep going off all the time, it won't give me more anxiety. It will give me less. Because if I can pay $1,200 to get the phone and ready, Everyone in my family needs one. So if I've got $9,000 laying around for me and all my kids, 
Because, also, oh, my 11-year-old, God, man, she, I don't know if the Lord can protect her if she goes to the roller skating rink for the birthday party without a cell phone. She's 11. She's, she needs an iPhone 27. I, I got to make sure she's got the best one. Now, if you have, praise the Lord, I have an iPhone, it's great. It's a great, it's a tool, it's a red Ferrari. It's a tool. But we, we value our worth and what God gives us. And then we depend on these things that are created to make anxiety in you. Created to make anxiety in you. You know, the car industry is doing it right now. If you don't have an electric car, how are you going to make it? Because in a couple of years, gas is going away. You better get one now. The government is telling you that. And if you better start saving up, because if you can't get an electric car, you will not be able to go to work, and your family's gonna, you're going to go straight to the poorhouse. And this is, you know what I'm talking about. This is real. Now, electric cars, praise God. Cars, praise God. Trucks, whatever, praise God. Let's be responsible. What does Paul say? Let your reasonableness be known. If you have an iPhone 1, maybe upgrade. Because we're trying to send you things from church to say, hey, come to the picnic, and it doesn't come through your phone. There's a reality to staying current with some stuff. I'm not against that. Please hear me right. What I'm against is the heart attitude. And the hard attitude is, Lord, you give me the tools. I trust you that much. See, I got my hand on the table. But I, I got it. That's not what the Lord calls us to. And then we create more anxiety. Because he doesn't, by his word, he doesn't just give you the tools. He shows up. The God of creation, our sustainer and champion, he himself comes and says, my child, I, I'm here. And he starts patting her, and we go, no, no, I don't need that. I need, give me the stuff. And we're missing it. And then we're shocked why we feel so anxious, why we lay down at night and we can't go to bed, why we feel like the bill has still got to be paid, why we feel like I've missed something. I'm not there. Lord, what are you doing with my life? What's happening? Where am I going? What am I doing? I don't know. I need to know. I need to know. And what does God say? I'm here. I'm making you look like Jesus. I'm getting rid of all the junk in your life. I'm create, taking that hatred you had for people. I'm breaking down all those prejudices. And I'm making you love people like Jesus, who is self-sacrificial. I'm going to make you look like me. You're going to love like me. You don't keep a record of wrongs anymore. You ever keep a record of wrongs? Cell phones make it real easy to do that. Because you literally can look at the text messages. You literally, because you hear, you know how many times people have come to me fighting in a marriage? And look what she said to me. So, well, have you talked to her? Yeah. <laughs> I talked to her. Can you believe she said this? And the, you know, one time, I'm gonna, I won't tell you who it was, one time I looked at the timestamp and it was 11.10 on a Sunday. And I was like, you were arguing in church. <laughs> in church. And he's like, oh. Yeah, but look at what she said, brother. But now, these things are real, right? Disagreements are real. Conflict is real. Is the, is the answer, Lord, give me the stuff and I'll do it? It's not. I'm telling you from the word of God, the answer is him. Lord, I need you. And it starts with our salvation. If you are still trying to save yourself, if you're still trying to pay the bill for your guilt, you can never pay it. And I'm telling you now, his mercy is more. It's higher, it's better, it's stronger. It far outweighs 
our guilt. How do I know that? Because he poured out his wrath on Jesus. Because God himself died for us. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, he really took it all for us. And now in his life, in his glory, in his resurrection, in his rule, he is seated on the throne. He is God. And when he says anything, it's, he's God. It does not return to him void. He created by speaking. And what does he say in your life? You, our, you are mine. You are mine. You belong to me. I have paid the price for you. And what do we say? Lord, can I trust that that's enough? That's the same word that created the universe. It's enough. And so what do we do? We ask Siri, how do I know God's will for my life, Siri? Siri, give me a great scripture to read on fear. And that's okay if you do that. Hear, hear me out. Come to the Bible. Praise God. That's good. But I'm telling you the deeper way, the better way. Trust him. How do we trust him? Turn off your devices. And, this, I'm, and I really mean literally turn it off. Tonight when you go to bed, keep it on at night if you, you know, there's an emergency. If you're a doctor and you're on call, don't turn it off. But tonight when you go to bed, before you go to bed, turn off your device for 20 minutes. Or if you are concerned about something, put it in a drawer away from you with the ringer on that you could hear it if there's an emergency. Go to another area where you don't have that thing and get on your knees and pray and pray to the Lord without that buffer. Don't, you don't need music playing while you pray. I like to do that sometimes. Music is great. But sometimes we go through a device instead of just coming to God. He told us to go through him. He's the mediator. Why are we using something else? Put it away and say, Lord, I trust you. And then by prayer and petition supplication, present your requests to God. Lord, I am concerned about this business deal. Lord, I am concerned about this child. Father, heal me of this thing. It's eating me up. Lord, my mom is sick. Lord, my car has a flat tire. Lord, I don't know where I'm going to get the money for this thing. Lord, I don't know about this thing that was taught at the kid's school. What am I supposed to say about it? How do I help them? How do I instruct things? Lord, that friend that's suffering. Lord, all these things. And let the Holy Spirit guide your prayer now. Instead of getting caught in the middle of a prayer and suddenly you're texting somebody. And the Lord's like, are we not talking anymore? What's going on? I've done that before. Have you? Praying, you're seeking the Lord. Somebody comes to your head, you're praying for them. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna, before I forget, I'm going I'm to text them right now. I'm like, Lord, for, I, forgive me. I'm sorry. I don't, want, I don't know why I did that. Have you ever been talking to somebody and the phone rings and suddenly you look at the phone and they're like, hey, hello? Because we're conditioned now to do that. Let's give God our attention and put the device away. Even if, again, turn it off. The point is you don't go through the device. Again, the device itself is not sin. They're a blessing. Technology is great. Praise the Lord. God uses it for us all the time. But we don't need to go through technology to get to him. We go through Jesus because he's our life. He's our everything. That's the first thing we can do. The second thing we can do is pray real prayers. And what I mean by that is, throw yourself and all of the weight of who you are on that table and say, Lord, here's me. Here's everything. And don't give him any pretense. And don't say to him, Lord, if you just strengthen me, then I can do it. Because you know and I know, we can't do it. We can't. Even if God filled us with all that strength, probably we'd fail. And instead say, Lord, I trust you. And if I could just feel the pat of your hand on me, I'll know that you are leading me and give him everything. 
if there's hidden things that you're hiding thinking that he doesn't even know, or sin in your life that you're trying to keep from him, just confess it. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I want to serve you well. I want to know you. Lord, but I want to walk in your salvation. I want to look like Jesus. So I put my whole self on you. And if you cry, you cry. If you laugh, you laugh. If you wake up 20 minutes later because you've passed out, maybe the Lord showed up. You know, I'm just being honest. Because God is good and he's powerful and this is how he works. But he is concerned about forming your heart to look like Jesus. Let's not be mistaken. You're never going to be a God. We will always be made to serve him. He's God and we are not. But he forms us to look like him, to smell like him, to sound like him, because he's the master of all creation. That's why that's the fruit of, that's the, fruit of the Spirit. That's every wedding that you've ever been to that talks about love, patient and kind, it's Jesus. It's him. And suddenly you find yourself patient and kind. You look like him. And it's good, isn't it? So what do we do? Unplug yourself from the things that you depend on now and put your only plug of dependence into God himself. Trust him. Stop saying half things and put your whole self on him and put it all before him. And he may not answer you right in that moment with what you want to hear. But I'm telling you from his word, he will be there. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. And his peace, his presence, he being with us surpasses even our understanding. When I was a little kid, we lived in California and uh, my dad was planting a church in San Diego. And San Diego is an interesting area because it was growing really fast. So in the particular area we were in, we had this little tiny house and um, it was in a suburb of San Diego and they were building, building, building everywhere. And so just down the road, there was this area where I liked to go with my dad where I could ride my bike. Now I'm in like kindergarten. So I could go ride my bike with my dad and it was a construction area and so there were the mounds of dirt, which to me as a kindergartner were like mountains. So it was like, and I would pretend like I'm, I'm riding a dirt bike, you know, and it's my little bike. And so we'd go ride and um, I was nervous because living in San Diego, especially having come, we came from St. Louis, living in California, because the area was new and there was new construction, they said, now be aware, when we moved in, they told us this, be aware, rattlesnakes live here. Is, I mean, not, not here, like they live here. We've disturbed them with the new construction. And the houses um, all had laundry rooms that were in the garage. And so there's a potential, a good potential, that especially if you do laundry, like if you have a load of towels or something, and you dry them on hot, and you pull them out and you set them there, the snakes will come find the heat. They love laundry. And the laundry rooms are in the garage, so be careful. So from the moment we moved in the house, I was, it's, it's inevitable I'm going to run into a rattlesnake at some point. So I was very nervous of this. And um, it had stormed pretty bad in the area where we had, uh, like to, to, you know, where we lived. And so we went to go ride our bike. And the stormwater had created these ruts in the, just piles of dirt, basically, from the construction. And so the construction had all this runoff. You know, when the runoff comes, it makes those little ruts, which I interpreted in my kindergarten brain as, that is the den of the rattlesnakes. And so on this particular time, we were riding our bike, and then my dad had brought a football or frisbee or something, and he threw it, and it went up onto one of the little hills, mountain in my, it's probably only this tall. Um, and so it was up on there, and I'm like, I'll go get it. 
And I got to the top and I grabbed the football or whatever it was, and I turned around and I was in the, I, it was not. I was totally safe, but I was in the den of the rattlesnakes, in my mind. I was terrified. And I remember turning around and I turned and I grabbed onto the top of the hill like this and I'm like, den of the rattlesnakes everywhere, Dad! Dad, I need you! And I just, and I'm like, probably, you know, this high off the ground, but I was, I was gonna die from rattlesnakes. And so my dad's like, come down, you know, you come just, just, just step down. Like I can, I was terrified. I was petrified. I was stuck because I, I knew if I stepped wrong, I was going to step on one. It was going to bite me. And my dad came up and picked me up and brought me down. I weighed 800 pounds as a kindergartner. I was very big and set me down. Oh, there you go, son. You're safe. And man, he was, he saved me. And I, for years, I carried this memory of my dad, like, he saved me from the rattlesnakes. He was my, yeah. But he, rattlesnakes, nothing to him. He stepped right in their dens to come save me. When did we lose that with God? Well, Lord, I got it. Lord, save me. I need you. I don't know my identity. I don't know what I should do. I don't know if I can trust your word. I don't know if I can trust my friends. I don't know if I can trust anything. I hear all this stuff. I don't know what to do. Lord, I have doubts. Lord, I don't know. I'm so confused. Help me, Lord. Show me what I should do. Lord, I need to know your care for me. And then he comes and he scoops us up. And we're in his arms. And we feel him. He fights the den of all the rattlesnakes for us. And we say, Lord, just give me the tools and I'll do it. It's not, you know that's not the salvation. He carries us. Remember again what it's like without the devices, without the plugs and anything else, just to have Jesus carry you because he's a good father. And he carries us through from the den of death. He went into the grave for us and came out of the tomb because he loves you and you can trust him. And he may not give you a red Ferrari, probably won't. He may not even answer all those questions you had. And yet the presence of him with you, suddenly you're filled with the peace of knowing that your father, your savior, your older brother, your champion, your creator, your king, your God, he is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And you say, Lord, here's my petitions. Here's all the things that I care about. Here's my whole heart. I just put it on you. And he holds us. And his presence is enough. And his peace is enough. And it surpasses even our understanding. And he shapes our heart to look like him. Amen? Amen? Will you stand? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, that you really do cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Father, thank you that when we repent to you, you forgive us. Thank you that you sent Jesus who died for us, who rose again, that you paid it all for us, that we don't have a bill or a tip left. And so, Lord, because you did everything, Lord, we give you our everything. Because you paid it all, Lord, we give you our all. Not to earn salvation, but instead to say, Lord, we are yours. We put ourselves completely on the table for you. Lord Jesus, I pray, help us, Father, that you would reveal to us where we have allowed our hearts to become plugged into anything but you. Reveal to us, God, where we have... We have used our own muscles to try to hold ourselves up. Father, I pray anybody here who is, who is assaulted with the anxiety and the fears of this world, Lord, who is wondering and confused about 
their identity in any way. Lord, root their identity in you, God. Lord, I pray for every brother and sister here that you would protect their hearts and minds in Jesus Christ as we give you all our prayers and petitions because it's your presence with us that makes all the difference. Father, if there's any young lady here especially who is assaulted by the, the social media vibes of the world, Lord, I pray that your love would ring true in their hearts, deeper, Father, than any like on social media ever could. Father, I pray that you would root all of us, regardless of age, in you and your gospel and your life because you are our king. Lord, we come to you. We don't just come to your benefits or things you do for us. We come to you, our champion. And Father, I ask you, Lord, for the cries of our hearts, especially for our neighbors, our loved ones who don't know you. Lord, for children who are wandering into sin and error. Father, for, for aunts and uncles who are denying you. Lord, bring them, bring them here. Bring them into the fold of your love and your care, Father. Bring them back to your gospel, I pray in Jesus' name. And Father, help us that we would be proclaimers of you as we rest in you, not as people anxious like the world, but as people who know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding because you are with us. May you know the call of the Father. May you know the great rule of the Son. And may you know the power of the Holy Spirit who ministers to us his rule and his call. God bless you this week. And Lord willing, we'll see you next week. We're dismissed. Amen. Have a great day, everybody.